Hey guys, come on in, come on in, come on in. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means? Education and fitness. Come on in, come on in, come on in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come on in. It's going to be a great 45 minutes. I've talked to my panel. You're going to learn everything you could ever want about walking. Literally, I've learned so much just talking to the panel for 10 minutes. I, I don't know. You're in for a good night. Um, I want to thank Sarah for letting me be the MC tonight. It's always a, a pleasure for me and it's always an honor. She is with her boys, I believe, in Boston right now, actually. So I want to thank everybody for letting me be here. Before we start, though, I'm going to go over Zoom like always, guys. Right now, you're all muted just because if you're all on, it would be a little hectic. Cameras are off. Distraction. Uh, security. That's Sean in case something bad happens, which it won't. Participants, we have about, ooh, there'll be about 40 that show up today, but literally uh, we have 140, 175 signed in. You know you'll get this recorded. But what I care most about is your chat. I want everybody to open up the chat and pull it to the side. And I'd love for everybody to tell us where you're from, where you're from. Even my panelists, let them know where you're from, please. Good. I'm from Louisville. Where's everybody from? Type in, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Tuesday. From Seattle. Good. We got, yep, yep. Connecticut. Good, Donna. Good. Ottawa. Of course, we know that's Sarah. Good. Keep coming in. South Dakota, Wisconsin. Beautiful, beautiful. The chat, you guys, during tonight, if you have any questions, please feel free to type in there for us because it's we're here for you. And if I can't get to the question, I promise you one of my panelists will do it. Um, but before we start, I'm going to have my panel actually tell you who they are and what they're about and their background. And then we'll talk about tonight. Tonight's all about walking. And I want to kind of do this. So let's go ahead, Sarah, to let them know who you are and welcome tonight. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Zahab. I'm a registered kinesiologist and a clinical exercise physiologist with 22 years of fitness industry experience. I love walking. I'm a nationally ranked race walker and love talking about all things walking. I love that. And Joyce? Uh, hey, everybody. I am Joyce Shulman. I hail from the east end of Long Island in New York. I am the co-founder and CEO of 99 Walks and Jetty Fitness. I'm the author of Walk Your Way to Better. Uh, and I'm kind of obsessed with all things walking, wellness, and women. Love it. Love it. And last but definitely not least, Mr. Kennedy. Hello. Thank you. I'm a holistic health practitioner, uh, a movement specialist and a foot connoisseur. I'm uh, specialized in feet. That's really my thing. Feet and how they connect to us on all levels, physically, but even emotionally, mentally, how they can affect us. I love that. And I'm Jeff. I don't know if you've ever never met me, but I've been doing this for a long, long time. I have a degree in kinesiology and minor nutrition, and I do the group X certification, the aqua certification, the yoga certification, and the Pilates certification. And I'm at every mania, and I've been doing it for about 30 years. But enough about us. Let's talk about what we're talking about tonight, guys. It's walking for the mind, body, and mood. Fitness doesn't have to be complex. Sometimes as simple as a walk can help you live a healthier life. Join our panel of experts as they cover the benefits of walking, how you can build a program and community from it, and even proper technique and biomechanics. Walk your way into a fitness today. And what I love about tonight is this is something everybody can do. And so there's no excuses why they can't get off their butts and start a program. So before we start, let's do our first question. What are the first, what are some of, what are, 
what are some of the primary benefits of walking? And let's start with you, Sarah. What are some of the, the, the primary benefits of walking? Well, I think there are so many benefits, but you know, the ones that come to mind are mood enhancing, immune boosting, um, strengthening the muscular system, a great bone building exercise. So load bearing, a great alternative for those who can't run, for example, um, great for the circulatory system, just so many systems engaged. It's a full integration, works on balance. I can go on. I, I love it. And Joyce, what, what, what do you see as some of the primary benefits of walking? So like Sarah, I, there are so many benefits that the only way that I manage to kind of organize them for myself to think about is I, I kind of classify them into three pillars, walking for your mind, which is the power of a walking practice for your brain in both the short and the long term, walking for your mood, all of the mood that the mood enhancing benefits and the stress reduction, right? So you get the benefits and the reduction in stress and then walking for your body. And honestly, I feel like we could talk about any one of those three for an hour. I love that. I love it. And you, Kennedy? Well, like Sarah said, there are thousands of benefits and the two guests tonight have touched on a lot of them, but the one I'll touch on is our lymphatic system. And that's really something that provides drainage. So it's more on the systemic side. And because that system doesn't have a pump the way our heart has a pump, it requires to be pumped. And walking, because we hit the ground, creates this contraction in muscles, and it works its way up towards the skull and the brain. So lymphatic system. And that's why I've always said movement is medicine, and walking is medicine as well. I love that. So let's say we have a beginner, a beginner that, not sedentary, but they're just you know trying to get into this. How do you like to start with a beginner? How do you like to start with a beginner in a program, Joyce? I think the first place to start is to really convince people, honestly, that walking counts and that every step matters because we're dealing in a world where I think the message is that a walk, I have people say this to me all the time, does a walk count? And I'm like, does it count for what? What are we counting? So I think for people just getting started, the first hurdle we have to get over is every step matters and just start moving forward. And, and you had mentioned something earlier, uh, guys that were, are listening in, something about how the progression happens so rapidly with that. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Joyce, like when somebody well, first starts with it. Sure, so for many people, when they start out feeling that they're, they're, they've been fairly sedentary and this is a new practice for them and they walk to their mailbox and back, as they start building on that, what I have seen, and, and you guys have more experience around this than I do. So Kennedy, Sarah, let me know if you agree, but people are able to progress even more quickly than they think. And it gives them that kind of satisfaction and that positive momentum to keep going because they feel like they've had some success. You can double your walking distance, you know, in just a matter of a couple of weeks. And that feels terrific. I love that. Sarah, how about you? Somebody's beginner yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's important yeah. to, you know, talk about the, all the benefits, like, what do you get out of walking? Because I think it's easy for people to just brush off and say, oh, I'm just, I'm just walking. But establishing a, a baseline, like how much are you walking already? You know, get a sense of where you're at and then work to increase that slowly and, and build, a, you know, a more concrete plan around that. Um, 
having those check-ins, like what are you hoping to achieve? And, and, you know, having, having like objective measures around, you know, walking and, and a walking plan and just sort of building from there and just justifying that, um, you know, it can, it can be a super effective cardiovascular workout. It can be an effective, uh, you know, on many fronts, super, super effective and super beneficial. I love it. And Kennedy, how about you? Uh, I'm going to agree both the ladies here. I mean, listen, results is key, right? Everybody wants results. And if you can get into some sort of a program where like Joyce mentioned, the results are very quick. There's a lot of change quickly. That's very motivating. The last thing I want to do is get into any kind of program and say it's been weeks and weeks and I don't see any change, but people can, first of all, they may not even feel the internal changes, lower heart rate, lower blood pressure. So those are great benefits, but just knowing that they walk five minutes and then 10 minutes and 15 minutes, that's a gauge. That's very simple to see. I couldn't walk 20 minutes just six months ago. Now I'm walking for an hour. So I agree something that can give you results quickly to motivate you to continue to walk. And you can, Sarah, I had no idea you were a walking expert in terms of competing, but you can end up doing something like that. And that's how people begin to be motivated. One day you can't get to the mailbox. The next day you're actually racing. I love that. So we've kind of hit on like programs. So I, the next question is how can you build a program around something as simple as walking? So I know some of you have facilities that you actually already have programs available to you. I believe even Joyce, you, you do a certification with it with SCW. So how can you build a program around something as simply as walking? And I'm actually gonna start with you, Joyce, if you'd like to start. So many ways. And it starts, as Sarah said, with what your goals are. So one thing, if I can dial it back just for one, moment when we talked about getting a program started, one of the things that people see, most people see almost immediately is that mood boosting benefit. And that helps keep you going. So when you start a conversation around all of the many, many benefits of walking, and then you go to, okay, how do you get going building a program? I do think that one of the first questions you have to answer or ask is what's the goal? Am I looking to have that kind of physical benefit? Am I looking to improve cardiovascular health? Am I looking to help my, my clients lose weight, get fitter? Am I looking for people to have a, the emotional benefit, the mood boosting benefit? So I the stress, there were so many. So you have to start the program with what are we looking to accomplish? I love that. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, I think it's about building a program and all that good stuff. Yeah, I think it's, you know, establishing what your baseline already is. So if you're already walking 30 minutes a day, just by virtue of like walking the dog, how can we build on that progressively? And how can we sort of um, work on, you know, amplifying and intensifying those existing walks? So whether that's perfecting technique a little bit, touching on that, whether that's adding varied terrain or intervals or hills or strength elements, um, you know, how can we sort of build on what you're already doing and, you know, make it into a complete plan? I love it. And Kennedy? Well, uh, to add to, to their points, I mean, something like taking the stairs, taking the elevator is a great place to begin again. Uh, if if that's if you don't know where to begin with programming, we'll start with the times you can take 
a walk. So if you can walk two floors instead of having taken the elevator, well, two floors is better than nothing. If you can walk to the variety store, the grocery store that's down the street, that's two minutes away, begin with that. And then one thing I want to add on to, to what Sarah's point is, while this is all fantastic, I want also the audience to be aware that if you are going to program for proper walking, it's really, I believe it becomes important to see professionals because Someone, I've seen it happen in clinic a lot, but patients who come in who never walk decide they want to start walking 10 miles and they do that the next day and they regretfully find out why you shouldn't do that. So I think awareness benefits, but I think really that awareness about programming and if we take it as seriously as we do resistance training or cardio training, then people can actually see it as a standalone exercise. I think it's the most phenomenal thing in the world. It's literally free. You can do it anywhere, anytime. And as we've all said, there are numerous benefits. So that being said, it is free and all the time, but a lot of us are in the business, mm -hmm. to be honest. And so we want them to come to us and we want to give them bang for their buck. We have to explain all the time. Our clients are like, this is walking enough. Am I doing anything? So we have to learn how to change the verbiage of that. And my panelists, you all know the benefits of it. So first of all, what are some of the, how do you combat that? And second of all, how do you then make it lucrative for your club or for you as a personal trainer? Do you do like a six week course? Do you have them bring a friend? How, how do we do that? I know that's an open-ended question. Sarah, do you wanna start with that one? Yeah, I first started teaching walking classes 20, <laughs> two years ago in corporate fitness as a way to, um, you know, we didn't have any space inside. Um, so it was a way to get people active to teach a group and we didn't, it didn't require any space. Um, so we could, you know, go outside, find a path and, you know, get an effective workout in, in the middle of the day. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, it can be an alternative if you don't have the space to do something, you know, outside. Um, I often run like six week classes or, or oftentimes it's just done at the beginning of a session or at the end of the session where people are like, okay, I want to walk, I want to walk faster. Well, let's take a look at your technique and let's incorporate that into our, you know, group fit or PT sessions where we're, you know, breaking down the technique and looking at how people can walk faster and amplify that. I love that. How about you, Joyce? I have uh, sort of two pieces on this. The first is encouraging your clients to build walking into the rest of their life, not when they're with you. Chances are pretty good that they're going to start seeing better benefits because it's all one package. So giving your clients actionable things that they can do, that they can handle, that they can elevate when they're not with you. I think it's it's rare that they're going to be like I'm good, right? I now I'm walking 10 miles a week. I'm good. I don't so there there's a lot of help to be done, benefits to be had in that way. And then the other piece of it to uh, I think Sarah's point around building in some time at the start or the end of other classes. One of the things we haven't talked about yet at all, but I talk about endlessly is around what happens when people walk together and the connections that are formed and why that happens. And what happens in traditional fitness classes is people come in, they sort of nod, you know, sort of smile at each other. And maybe over time, as they're packing up their bags, they start a conversation. But we all know that 
that the groups that perform best are the ones that feel like they've come together as a community and they start showing up for each other. So building in 10 minutes at the end of a class or building classes around walking promotes that opportunity for people to really connect. And then you get all kinds of benefits. I love that. I love that. How about you, Kennedy? Well, um, that's a, a, a fantastic benefit, but to kind of touch on what the ladies were saying earlier, the education part, you had asked about, well, we're professionals. How are these educators going to make money? That doesn't quite apply to me, but I can tell the uh, audience or anyone who would ask me, why should they go spend money on it? Well, first of all, it's your health and there's nothing more important than your health. So, and then the second question would become, if this person is in pain for some reason, how badly do they want to be out of pain? Because if you want to be out of pain bad enough, you should do something about it. And I am a big believer, and I know some might disagree because it's just walking, but if you are going to consider walking as part of a program, then I honestly believe you should see a professional because an assessment is important. How are your biomechanics? Are you going to get injured the minute you start walking? Because if an injury happens, then all of a sudden the person may be turned off to even try and walking again. I've heard people who never train go to the gym, get hurt, and then say, I didn't train for 20 years. I never had an injury. Then I went to the gym and I got hurt. So why should I go to a gym? Right? Right. I love that. I love it. And let's be honest with you. I mean, people are breaking down their bodies. A lot of people that have been doing hit and whatever for so long, this is a great alternative for them that they can then give their body an active recovery and get huge benefits from it. So I think it's amazing. Do you guys like to base though the walks upon time or is it more heart rate and that kind of a thing? How do you like to base that for a fitness level? Joyce? Uh, so getting a little personal, I have four different styles of walking. I walk in four different ways for four different purposes, right? Sometimes it's just silence and in, in nature and it's active recovery. And I just need the stress reduction, right? Sometimes it's higher intensity. You need the music, you need the intensity that's more cardio focused. Sometimes I walk with other people and it's as much social as anything else. So I guess I'm coming back to sort of where I started and now I feel like I'm repeating myself, so forgive me, but it depends a little bit on what it is you're trying to accomplish because walking can check so many boxes that it's not a one, it's not a one solution. It's a, it can do so much. So what is it we're trying to do? I already see formatting on my schedule. Those three different <laughs> kinds of walkings are easily, like I'm writing them down right now the meditative one, the, it's awesome. How about you, Sarah, what do you like to recommend more so? I mean, because of your competitiveness, is it more heart rate, length, duration? Well, it, it depends, you know, as a kinesiologist, I work with a lot of people who are injured or I'm bridging the gap from people who are injured and returning to activities. So oftentimes we're working off symptoms. So we know, for example, someone can walk 15 minutes before they're symptomatic, that's their threshold. We're trying to add more time. If the symptoms arise, then we're just sort of, you know, building and taking away based on symptoms. Uh, but if someone is looking for performance, then it is going to be a little more based on time, intensity, you know, uh, intervals, and that sort of that sort of thing. So it, it depends on the type of client, but generally that's how I would sort of work around work around it. I love it, Kenny. Do you want to add anything or? 
I, the only thing I'll add is in clinic, when I do make recommendations, I would say first is for them to be consistent as long as they're not injured and they can maintain, like have some consistency. I don't care if it's two minutes a day or two minutes a week, start there. And then I would try to increase my time a little because I figure, you know, at least if I'm consistent and I walk and then eventually some intensity so that we add more purpose. And then if you want to move forward from there, then you find a professional to gauge you into how you can put this walk into the programming and take it to different levels. I love this because as we all know in this room, with change, you get changed. And if our clients have ever only known interval training, let's say, or hit, and you would take their heart rate and drop it and keep them at a steady pace a longer duration of time, the body's going to respond completely different. So we have to be able to give them those layers. And, and that's what I love mostly about tonight as well. I mean, you guys are amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So next one is, is it possible to implement progressive overload with walking? Is Jeff, can I, can I, sorry, Jeff, can I interrupt yeah. for one sec? Sure. I just want to add one thing, and this happens in a lot of industry, but in our industry, let's say the fitness industry, and it drives me crazy. How come every time a new idea comes out, the old idea is no longer good? How come HIT is so important and good old-fashioned cardiovascular training, what, doesn't have a purpose anymore? If you believe that, then you are sadly mistaken to the real benefits of how that actually helps your high-intensity training having that cardiovascular. So I just wanted to add that because I find that it happens a lot. Something new comes out, it's the new idea. We say, oh, that's old. We don't need that anymore. Some of the old stuff is the fundamentals and fundamentals are always going to be there. They will never disappear. That's I all I wanted to say. Sorry about that. No, no, no. I, I, I love that. Please, please. And, and people at home, if you have any questions, please ask. Let's go back to it. Is it impossible? Is it possible, excuse me, to implement progressive overload with walking? Joyce? I think we've sort of talked about that the answer is for sure right for sure and i again it goes to this idea that it's just walking but there is so much nuance to it and so much opportunity love that love that how about you sir how do you do progressive overloads with your clients yeah absolutely and i think you know once people hit a plateau with i can no longer walk you know, with more intensity or my heart rate sort of leveling off or, you know, then we're sort of looking at the technical aspects of walking. How can we uh, perfect the technique so that you can amplify and intensify your walks? So yes, to a certain point, and then we're looking more technically to improve the mechanics of walking so that they can get more, uh, you know, amplitude out of it. I love that, Kennedy. I'll just add progressive overload, like Joyce and Sarah said, time can change how, how hard something's going to be to some extent, intensity, wear weighted vest, ankle weights if you like, go for hikes, hikes, we, we, I'm, Joyce is smiling for a reason, of course, we spoke about hikes and walking, is there a difference, but go for a hike, something more challenging. I love it, and let's hit on that because a lot of the spas I've even worked at, we had hikes that we would do with clients. We do them in the morning and we do them later in the evening and they weren't called walks they were called hikes and joyce would you like to do what is the difference if there is a difference uh, absolutely Bef before i just want to go back to what we were talking about a moment ago just to say i have yet to meet somebody and i'm sure they're out there but i have yet to meet somebody who is walking at a reasonable clip up a hill and doesn't get winded. It's so simple. So one way you want to amplify it, just go find some flipping <laughs> hills. 
they're almost everywhere. Uh, I love that. And then before we before we got online, when we the panel it was just chit chatting, we started a little conversation around what's the difference between a walk and a hike. And in the literature, there is no difference. So let's start with the fact that there is no hard definition. So it tends to be pretty personal. And most people, because I ask this question of a lot of people, uh, most people come out that it depends on one of two things, both of which came up this evening. The, the first is location. We think of hikes being more in some kind of natural setting. And the second, which I often come to is intention. Hikes seem to, at least for me and many people, have a different kind of intention. Uh, but again, I'll circle back and say what I always say, which is all walking is good. So walking is good. Hiking is good. It's all good. I love that. Okay, so we've got a question. And it's a great one. And, and I'm going to actually direct this one towards you, Sarah, because of where you live. It says, what is the difference between treadmill walking and outside walking? What is the different benefits? Um, well, I think, you know, treadmill walking can be a great alternative for people like, you know, I live in Canada, it can get very cold and icy for people who are concerned about slipping and falling and balance issues, treadmill walking can be a great alternative. However, mechanically, when you're stepping on a treadmill, there's less recruitment of your hip extensors. So you're not extending your hip behind you as much because the treadmill is doing that for you. Um, so the mechanics of walking on a treadmill are slightly different, it's a little bit easier on a treadmill um, and you're recruiting less of those hip extensor muscles like your glutes and your hamstrings. There's less of that toe push off that happens um, on a treadmill versus outdoors. However, if someone can't get outside, if it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too slippery or we're injured or whatever it is, the treadmill can be a great alternative. I love it. How about you, Kennedy? How would you like to? Uh, well, I, I agree because on a treadmill, you can almost literally feel like you're floating, not actually walking. And a great example is if you watch people at a gym, sometimes as they're walking on a treadmill, they're holding onto these handles and what's actually happening is they're actually being pulled away. They're not actually walking. It's almost like they're just trying to keep up the pace of the treadmill. Now that said, Joyce makes a good point about intention. Even on a treadmill, I can walk with different intentions. So that might help a bit. But if you can't get outside and it is cold, I guess a treadmill is better than anything. But it's just the same ground, the same compact as you hit it. It's nothing like Joyce. I think you mentioned it earlier. Being outdoors is just completely different than walking on a treadmill. So I'll, I'll take a treadmill. I'll take indoors. But if you have the choice, there's nothing like the outdoors. I love it. Joyce. And the last piece, which is actually something Sarah alluded to earlier, uh, or Kennedy, I don't know, one of you guys, sorry, uh, which I think is worth reiterating in this context, is the value of walking for balance improvement, which is really important. And that even those little changes in terrain, I, I talk sometimes about everything that we have to process mentally to step up on a curve, and if you ever sort of stop and think about everything you've got to figure out to step up a curb. So all of that balance training, which is so innate when we're outside walking, you lose some of that on a treadmill as well, especially when you're holding on, you know. I love that, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, I do a lot of personal training and my clients always have them warm up on a treadmill and I don't have them run. I love them to be at a speed three at a grade 13, so they're walking up a hill. So everything you guys are saying is exactly that. And, and they're burning 
so many calories. In fact, that's our homework a lot of times if they can't get outside is to walk up a hill because it dorsiflexion of the foot, burn more calories, it engages the glutes, everything is what it should be. Leslie asked a great question though. What are some good examples of incorporating some cognitive exercise infused in walking, particularly for seniors who I walk with? Um, Joyce, I wanna hit you with that because of your three pillars. Yeah, I could do this for a long time, but the impact of walking on your brain has incredible short-term and long-term benefits. So short-term, significantly improved creativity, memory improvement, uh, default, it activates your default mode network, right? So you're processing in a different kind of way. And then for the long-term, huge impact on your gray matter, on your white matter. So reduction in dementia, reduction in Alzheimer's, a lot of things we see with all kinds of exercise, but for many people, especially older people, walking tends to be some of the more accessible. And all walking is good walking, right? So ec cognitive exercises, in my mind, walking is enough. However, walking with other people because of that connection that we talked about briefly, the way people connect when they're walking, the way they feel like they're part of something. And for older people, that is one of the most critical things for them is to try to fight back the loneliness. And if you can have that sense, if you can encourage people, if individuals can have that sense of connection while at the same time getting the benefits of walking, it's a home run and you don't have to do a whole lot more than that. I love that. I love that. Do you want to add anything, Sarah? It basically, Joyce touched on everything that I was going to mention, all the studies, the robust, <laughs> the robust evidence, you know, on, um, you know, disease prevention, Alzheimer's, um, you know, a dementia, uh, cr boosting creativity. If you want to be more efficient at work, take a walk, come back and like magical things will happen. I mean, we just we just know the return on investment is huge. Now, this is only going to happen the best way, of course, in the weather where you can get outside. But outside barefoot walking, remember, we get energy from the earth. And it's a very low frequency. It's called the Schumann resonance. So you can go look this up for our, our guests out there. It's a very low frequency, very healthy for us as humans. Our cells are all about voltage. So to put voltage back into our systems for true health, barefoot walking for up to 40 minutes. If we had microscopes and we took blood samples, you see the change just within 40 minutes. Now, the blood will change back, but the point is the consistency of it really truly has that health benefit. So as Joyce and Sarah are alluding to the health benefits, that's a real internal health benefit that's beyond anything else. And it doesn't have to be anything high intensity. That's just called simply walking and even just standing on the grass in the ground for 30 to 40 minutes in the summertime when you can. That's a massive health benefit right there. I love that. In fact, so Kenny's actually touched on something that we spoke about a little bit earlier. I had asked about barefoot walking compared to maybe shoe walking and, and, and what do we recommend or what do we prefer? Because there's a lot of science behind walking barefoot, but then of course shoes are very important as well. So do you wanna start with that one, Sarah? What do you feel? Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, if you're on a beach, uh, you know, walking barefoot is amazing. And as Kennedy mentioned, the grounding elements, the grounding benefits from that. Um, but I think it depends on your foot mechanics and your overall mechanics. Um, 
if you're someone who can manage walking barefoot for short periods of time, awesome. If you're someone who's super symptomatic or you're dealing with plantar fasciitis or um, you don't have any experience walking barefoot and you rely on being in supportive footwear all day, going outside walking barefoot for half an hour may not be for you. But for someone who um, you know, can tolerate that and modulate and manage the pressures and the loads of walking in the feet optimally, awesome. I love I it. Do you, great. Add, do you want to add anything? Only that this is not a world I know really well, but it's really interesting. And it seems to me something that everybody should explore, right? Professionals should explore. You should know what happens when you walk barefoot. How does that load feel, right? It's one of those things I don't, I, I certainly don't recommend that everybody go out and start work, walking barefoot for all of the reasons that Sarah alluded to. But as professionals in this space, shouldn't we all know what our capacity is and what our limitations are and what things we need to work on with those foot mechanics and those barefoot me mechanics? That's it's not really an answer, it's just a question. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Kenny, do you wanna? Do well, you wanna... we were born without shoes. So naturally that's the way we should walk. Now you might say, well, we need shoes. You're right, because of the environments we're in. But the reality is, and I think Sarah, you said it when we were speaking, I never wear socks. Almost never. Let me say that because my wife says I should never say never, but I almost never wear socks. I only wear a certain brand of shoes that have a wider toe box or extremely flexible. So my foot can control the complete shoe. This has been for ages. Um, and to add to Joyce's point, there's a time and place for everything. And I think Sarah touched on it as well. There's a time and place for everything. So should you just go out tomorrow and start walking barefoot and walk 10 miles? Probably not. Probably not a good idea. Even if you're wearing shoes and you haven't walked, folks, don't go out and walk 10 miles tomorrow. You might be sorry you did that. So time and place for sure. Um, but we were born without shoes. And that's really, if you're going to wear shoes, then maybe that's something to consider as the type of shoe you wear and the benefits to the foot itself. And we don't have enough time tonight because we could chat for hours. Joyce, you said this is a field you don't speak much on. We could chat for countless hours about the benefits of the shoes, why you're wearing them, the mechanics, how it can lead to pain, how that can affect thoughts and emotions and health and affect organs. We can get crazy because remember, if your biomechanics are off from your foot, so is the posture and so are things like organs being compressed in the system. So we, we could talk for hours on the subject. So I love that. I love it. It's funny. I was in South Africa for five years. I was brought there by a company called Virgin Active. Mm -hmm. And I was brought there to teach standards. And what I noticed was the children there, they don't wear shoes until they're in high school. They keep them barefoot. And guess what? No knee replacement, hip replacement. Very, very, very low. So it's interesting what you all are saying. I, I don't think it's like it's 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 an economy because we, of course, don't live in South Africa and our environments are different. Um, cognitive teaching, some games that we used to play when we were doing hikes as well as we used to do do visual tasks. Did you see what, what we just walked by something? What color was the building? Things like that. Doing counting, adding seven, add another seven, having them walk and adding different things like that to it is a great way to have the mind and body connect as well. Um, recipes, alphabet backwards, things like that, but making them be aware, make them be observant of where they're at because we sometimes get in a mode and we get tracked and then to ask them something and they awaken something else. It's kind of a good game. Linda, I don't understand the question very well. Jeff, before you go to Linda, can I just add something to that that just occurred to me? Not mine, but my dad is 94. 
he's a retired coach and an athlete, and he created a game for himself, which goes to your point. And I just thought of it when you said it, which I, so he assigned different things that he would see on his walk, different point values. So, you know, squirrels were worth two points and lizards were worth four points and the big lizards, they were six wow. points. So that kind of game has a whole bunch of benefits. Number one, it's fun because we all like games. Number two, to your point, it forces you to be present and aware of your surroundings. And number three, you got to sort of, it is that cognitive exercise because you got to, if you're going to do it, you got to sort of keep track of it all. So I just throw that out there as something fun to kind of play with to that point. I kind of love that. That's right. That's I love that. I love that. Okay, we're going to get to your question, Linda. You want to add anything, Kennedy? Uh, no, actually, I understand Linda's question. So if you like, I can kind of quickly answer it for you. She's just basically asking, look, I would live in an apartment. The floor is solid, flat, hardwood floors. So the answer is this. While it's best for the foot to be walking on all types of different services, like outdoor walking, indoor walking is better than nothing. Because remember, like Joyce always says, some walking, walking is walking and it's better than nothing at all. But yes, if you wanted to lay stones that you could walk over in your apartment to create these different effects because of these receptors we have underneath our feet, that's a great idea. Maybe the carpet you buy, maybe the she's talking about having a, a pad with little stones in it. I think it's a great idea because, yes, it does work on different receptors underneath the foot. So, Linda, flat is better than nothing. But if you can do that in your home, that's a fantastic idea. We're going to go to Linda's house and see sand everywhere. <laughs> it's just going to be sand poured everywhere. I think that's okay. We got a question, guys. How does walking posture and technique affect our kinetic chain? How does walking posture and technique affect our kinetic chain? And Kennedy, I'm going to start with you. Well, that kind of answers itself within the question. It's sort of funny because here's the thing. If the foot mechanics is off, which is our foundation. So actually, let me go backwards. We live in an apartment building or in a house. And if you go down to the basement, there's your foundation. If the foundation shifts, the rest of the entire building is affected. My foot is my foundation. And Sarah touched on the mechanics of walking. Well, if the foot is off, the mechanics of the foot is off, then it affects the way my shins move, my knees move, my hips move, my back moves, which means it's going to affect the entire kinetic chain. So how does it affect it? If the mechanics of the foot are out of place, then because it's all tied and because the ground is the first thing you strike, that means that the entire kinetic chain will be affected. That's how it is. I don't know, Sarah, if you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think um, our posture can affect a lot and our technique. I mean, at uh, Chicago Mania, I did a session on power walking and we just spent the whole time talking about technique. Um, taking short, quick steps is so key. Um, ensuring that you're landing with your center of mass over your base of support. So you don't want to be stepping and taking a big step where your center is behind your foot. You want to land with your body on top of your foot. And in order to do that, taking a short stride is key, which is counterintuitive for a lot of people because a lot of people think they need to take big steps, but that actually loads the lumbar spine more and it actually is it's inefficient. Taking shorter steps, ensuring that your center of mass is over your base, which is your foot, um, is key. And then 
thinking about the rib hip positioning in our posture. If we're walking in a rib flare, we're not utilizing those deep core muscles as efficiently. So stacking the ribs over the hips, ensuring we have good optimal posture, but getting the hips aligned with the ribs um, is going to turn the core on and it, it, it needs to be automated, right? You can't be thinking about turning your glutes or your core on for 10,000 steps. If you're well aligned, muscles fire optimally in most cases. So just ensuring that you're well stacked is important, ribs over hips, ensuring that you're center lands over your base. So taking short strides is important. And then thinking of those mechanical elements like, uh, you know, elbow stride back, hip extension, moving your leg behind you, pushing off the toes, those little technical elements can be, um, you know, really helpful at affecting what's happening in the body. I love that. Uh, my beautiful Joyce, yeah. Not my area of expertise, but I will add one one thought to that. Uh, and Sarah Kennedy, tell me if I'm mistaken. Um, but many of us have a tendency to look down, right? We're looking down at the ground. So being mindful to your point of like, if you have everything lined up correctly, things are more likely to fire correctly. Being sure that we're fighting any tendency to look down at our feet because that is likely to throw some things off. Yeah. Agreed. Linda asked the question, how does one establish, and I'll be honest with you guys, we are basically four minutes left. So this will probably be our last question, but how does one establish their own gait length? Do you want to touch on that one, Sarah? Yeah, so you need to ensure that when you're stepping, your center is right over your foot. So if you're stepping, if your gait, if your stride is too big or too long, your center is going to be behind you. So as long as you're stepping and your center is right over your, your foot, then that is an appropriate gait uh, length or gait stride. But there's lots of other techniques that you can try, but that's... I love yeah. that. I love that. Oh my gosh, we got one last question. I told you guys, it was your last question. <laughs> what do you think of Nordic walking? I tried it. What do you guys think of Nordic walking? Go ahead, Maya Joyce. Walking is walking, go ahead. Uh, well, walking is walking for sure, but actually at Mania this week, we will be introducing jetty poles, which are, are our fitness poles. So taking some inspiration from Nordic walking. Nice. Um, so I can get really high up on the soapbox of Nordic walking is fantastic. Activates your upper body, more likely to keep you in that better posture position burns more calories, activates your core, uses your body even more the way it is meant to be used. And one of the things that's so interesting about Nordic walking is your perceived exertion goes down while your actual exertion goes up, which is really paradoxical, but the research shows that that's, that's the case. So all about it. And, 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 and our beautiful friend that asked about that, she got, she felt, I think she got injured with it, but it's really the technique to use the pulse, not to lead you, but to, am I correct? Correct choice, right? The pulse for that, they're not to go forward and ahead of you. Oh, yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. It, it depends a little bit on what you're using them for. Like uh, we, jetty poles are fitness poles. So a little bit different than Nordic walking. They're not an assistive device. Um, traditional trekking poles can be used as sort of an assisted device. Um, so again, lots of, depending a little bit on your attention and lots of different ways that you can put them to work for you. I love it. Okay, guys. So I'm going to have my panelists put in 
how they can get a hold of you. So if you could type in how they can get a hold of you. And I just want to do our little elevator speech on why we think walking is so beneficial. So do you want to start with that, Sarah? <coughs> elevator speech. Leave, them, leave it in a nice bow. Yeah, walking hits all of the big guys, cardiovascular, muscular, load-bearing, integrative, balance, mood-enhancing. It's, it's like all-in-one a great exercise. And you, Kennedy, what about you? Elevator pitch on my walking is oh, what you should be doing. Oh, God. I hate being put on the spot. I mean, especially after Sarah says something like that. Um, look, walking helps like Sarah and like Joyce will say, but I'll add it as well. Remember, I have a statement on my website people will always see. So I mean this honestly when I say it. Walking can affect us emotionally, mentally, systemically, and physically. So it's extremely, extremely important. Those are all the areas it can affect us. I'll leave it at that. that. And my beautiful Joyce, let them know. Uh, all of those things, but in my experience and opinion, it's the easiest way to access all of those things, right? You, there are people who will say, well, swimming can get you a lot of those benefits, some of them, not all of them, but, but walking is the most accessible way for people to get those benefits of any modality that we have. Let's face it, what do we do when we first are born? What is our first thing we start to do is try to walk. Yeah. What are we going to do when we go into the grave? We're going to try to walk. So <laughs> walking is accessible to everybody. I want to thank my panelists tonight. I am thank honored you. by your professionalism and your passion. I hope at home you felt their passion as much as I did and their knowledge. Geez, so lucky. We're at Mania. We're going live, guys. So make sure you drop by a Mania. Come by and see us. I want to thank everybody tonight for spending their evening with us. We'll be back next Thursday after Mania this weekend. I want to thank my panels again. Everybody have a good night. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.